Thank you, Mary. Friends, it's great to get to be with you this morning. It is always just um, warming to my heart when the greeting time goes on far longer than we designated in the worship plan for the morning. So settle in. We'll be here for a while. But it's great to be here worshiping with you. If you've been here for the last few weeks, you know we've been in this uh, teaching series looking at what's known as the Lord's Prayer. And it's been really encouraging to me even just to hear from some of you over this last week of how God has been using uh, this series to deepen your prayer life, to give you some new handles for how you can uh, really talk to God in prayer. And that's really why Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer to begin with. It's not so much meant to be this prayer that we just say or recite in worship as it is a model for how to pray. Jesus says, if you want to know what to pray about, here are the kinds of things to pray for. He even gives us something of the order or the priorities in which to pray them. And today, we come to what you might call gimme prayer. Give me this day, my daily bread, and it's where we start getting to ask God for things in prayer. And some of you are thinking, finally, Finally, okay, I've warmed my heart to the fact that God is my father and I'm his child. I've spent time recentering as I worship him in prayer. I've reoriented my perspective to seek his kingdom more than mine. I've surrendered my will to him. Now, finally, I get to start asking for things in prayer. Maybe that's what got some of you into the prayer game to begin with. You were thinking, you know, I've got a need and I want that to be met, or I've got a circumstance and I want that to be changed, and I believe that prayer actually works and makes a real difference, and so would you teach me how to pray in that way where it actually changes things in my life where I can ask God for things in prayer? So some of you have been very eager to start asking. Others of you, and I would put myself in this boat, maybe you're a little bit hesitant to ask. But maybe for uh, the simple fact that God is God, and he's omniscient, and he already knows what you need. So what's the point of really asking him for those needs? Or maybe you think, well, isn't he kind of busy? He's got the universe to run. Does he really care if my washing machine doesn't work? Or maybe you think to yourself that, 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 that maybe at a deeper level, you just kind of don't want to ask because you're independent. And you, you want to feel self-sufficient. You don't want to have to rely on God for your every need. Or, or maybe like me, maybe there's part of you that's a little bit cynical when it comes to prayer, and, and there's part of you that doesn't want to ask because you're afraid that if I ask and God doesn't respond in the way that I want him to, maybe I'm just going to be frustrated or disappointed, and so it's easier then just not to ask. And yet right out of the gate, here in Luke chapter 11 that Mary read for us a moment ago, as Jesus is teaching on prayer and the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, God wants you to ask. He wants us to ask. He wants us to depend upon him. He wants us to bring our needs before him in prayer. Why? Because he's our father. Because he's our, our good heavenly father. And you know, we've talked about that all throughout this series. Maybe you're starting to get tired of hearing it. The Lord's prayer will make zero sense. It will accomplish none of its intended purposes in your life unless you understand that you're praying to your father. A father who loves you. That's the privilege of the Christian. The moment you trust in Jesus as your Savior, you get adopted into God's family so that now God the Father loves you even as he loves his eternal son, Jesus. He, 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 he cares about you. He sees you 
just as he sees Jesus. That's your privilege. You get to crawl up into his lap, so to speak, and call him Abba, Daddy, Father. He's a good father. And so therefore, he wants us to ask. He wants us to come to him and for him to provide for our needs because that's what good fathers, that's what good parents do. I mean, just think about it. For those of you who are parents or those of you who have uh, good parents, uh, parents love to provide good things for their kids. In fact, parents will often forego good things for themselves. Uh, They'll sacrifice, they'll work multiple jobs, they'll work long hours, they'll make sacrifices because they want good things for their children. They want good opportunities for their children. That's what good parents do. And, and, and not only do they provide good things, but they're willing to care for the needs of their kids. I think about in our own uh, family, uh, if I were to wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and I were to roll over to my wife, Brandy, and I were to say, Brandy, I have a stuffy nose. I can't sleep very well because I have a stuffy nose. What are you going to do to help fix that? I think she'd probably look at me and she would say, are you kidding It's 3 a.m. in the morning. You're a grown man. You can help take care of your own stuffy nose. And yet, if our son Patton, our three-and-a-half-month-old son, were to wake up in the middle of the night, as he's been doing often lately, and he were to have a a stuffy nose, which he has had, and struggle to sleep because of that, she'll get up out of bed. She'll go. She'll get that nasty little suction straw device thing, and, and she'll help clear up his congestion because that's what you do as a parent. You care for the needs of your children. And yet, just think about this. And Jesus goes on to say this a little bit further here in Luke chapter 11. He says, if, if you earthly parents, though you are evil, that's a strong word, but I think he, he means even though you're a good parent, you care about your kids, you can still be selfish, you can still be indifferent. Sometimes you wish somebody else would take care of them and get up in the night. He says, even though you're selfish and evil, and yet you provide good things for your children. Jesus says, how much more How much more does your father delight to give good things, even the Holy Spirit, to those who ask him? And don't run past that. Just think about this for a moment. What Jesus is saying here is that there has never been a parent, and there never will be a parent who is more committed to the joy of their child. I mean, just think about some of those parents who are just so obsessed with their kids. There's never been a parent more committed to the joy of their child than your heavenly father is committed to your joy. He wants your joy. He wants your good. And not only does he want it, but he's God. He's omnipotent. So he has all the power in the universe to provide for your needs, and he wants us to ask. And I think maybe for some of us, if you would look at your life and you don't see how God is working, you don't see how he's been meeting your needs or providing for you, it might be because you're not asking. It might be because we're not praying. We're not actually taking that time to tell him the specific things that we feel that we need in our lives. It may be that we're not seeing his work in our lives because we're not asking. God wants us to ask. And yet, though we ask, does that mean that God is going to give us everything we ask for? Well, no. Why? Because he's a good father. And good parents don't always give their kids everything that they ask for. I mean, I imagine in a few years if my son Patton comes and says, hey, Dad, let's go throw knives at each other in the backyard, I'm going to say, buddy, that's not your best idea, but maybe we can go throw a baseball. 
And you see, what good parents do is they're able to recognize that sometimes the need of their child, the felt need, um, actually there might be a, a deeper need. And they're able to meet that need. So maybe the need is he's bored and he just wants to spend time together. And so maybe there's a different way uh, to do that. And God, our heavenly father, is omniscient. He knows our needs in that way. And so he always gives us what is for our good. Sometimes his answer might be yes. Sometimes then it might be no. Sometimes it might be later or wait. But he always answers. He always gives us what we most need. And you know, that's why we talked about last Sunday in the order of the Lord's Prayer, we're taught to pray, your will be done before we pray, give us this day. Remember, it's an opportunity to say, God, you're my father. I trust you. This is what I'm asking for. This is what I think I need. But you're good. You're my father. You know what's best for me. So if that's not what's best for me, I trust you in that. But he wants us to ask. He wants us to bring our needs before him. Are you doing that? Are you praying to him in that way? And you may say, well, gosh, that's great. So he wants me to ask, but, but how do I do that? How do we bring our asks and our wants before God in prayer? And that's where Jesus gives us this seven-word phrase, give us this day our daily bread. Now, notice Jesus doesn't say, give me my three wishes as if God were a genie. He doesn't say, give me all the desires of my heart. He says, no, give us this day our daily bread. And if you learn to pray that prayer, I'll tell you, you're going to start to see God providing for your needs. You're going to start to see God working in your life, showing up in significant ways. But more than that, your vision of life is going to change so that you become a person of greater gratitude, generosity, and contentment. Not only are you going to see God meeting your needs, you're going to become a person of greater gratitude, generosity, and contentment. And let me show you why as we work through this seven-word phrase together. So first... First, notice the very first word is significant. He says, pray this way, Father, give, give us this day our daily bread. And that word give is significant because to give something is very different, to, to receive something as a gift is very different than what is owed or what is earned. So if somebody gives you a gift, the appropriate thing to do is to respond with a, with a thank you or maybe a thank you note because you know they didn't have to give you that, that's a, that's a gift. But I guarantee you, I mean, I would be shocked if I were wrong about this. If any of you have ever received a tax refund, I, I doubt that anybody here has ever written a thank you note to the IRS because that's owed, right? That's your money. You're like, I want that back. Or if you, if you work a job when you get your paycheck, I guarantee you're not writing a thank you note to your employer for that paycheck because you think I earned that. That's the, that's the agreement in this relationship. It's either owed or it's earned. And yet I think as, as Americans, we do have a tendency um, to often look at the good things in our lives in that way, um, to see them as either owed or as earned. You know, that great cultural commentary, uh, maybe some of you have seen The Simpsons, uh, which I used to watch when, when I was a kid. There's a scene in The Simpsons where Bart Simpson is asked to pray for dinner. So here's what he says. He says, dear God, um, we paid for this food ourselves. We picked it up from the store ourselves. We cooked it and made it ourselves. So thanks for nothing. Amen. <laughs> and, and I think we, we laugh 
Because there's part of us inside that thinks, you know what, maybe I have felt a little that way before too. And yet what Jesus is doing with the very first word of this prayer is he's inviting us to have a different perspective. He's inviting us to see the good things in our lives as gifts from God. Do you see the good things in your life in that way? Do you believe that they are, or are you have them as gifts from God? And even if, if, if you've worked, even if you've earned that you've done so with the health he has given you, with the strength that he has given you, with the opportunities that he has given you, with the abilities and the skills that he has given you, do you see the good things in your life as gifts from God? You know, the Apostle Paul was incredibly accomplished. He was incredibly gifted and hardworking and certainly felt a strong obligation to care for the needs of the poor. And yet he says, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast in it as though you did not? Everything we have is a gift from God. And I think this is the moment in the Lord's Prayer, where God is inviting us to acknowledge that. Even as we ask for our needs, to take time in thanksgiving, to to actually thank God for the ways in which he has already provided for your needs that maybe we're prone to overlook. Now, I was talking to somebody in uh, my community group uh, this week. She was sharing with our group the fact that, that for three months she lived in Nicaragua, in, in, in an area that was right at the center of the drug trade. In fact, she said there were nine-year-old kids who were already on rehab trying to recover from cocaine addiction. And she was there doing relief work in that area. She said she slept on this little cot in a little shed and she had mosquito netting. And she said that was pretty much it. She didn't have you know grocery store or running water or plumbing or sewage or all those things that maybe we take for granted. And she said, you know what? That experience has really helped her. Um, In times when she gets worried about her job, maybe even worried about, am I going to be able to to keep my job or am I performing well enough in my job? She says, nothing cuts off the oxygen to her worry like gratitude. I think you could add to that. Nothing cuts off the oxygen to to bitterness or, or frustration or entitlement more than gratitude, to take time to actually list before God the things that we are grateful for. And and I find that so helpful in my own prayer life. When I get to this phrase in the Lord's Prayer, just to stop and say, God, I'm thankful for the coffee I'm drinking now this morning. Thank you for a roof over my head. Thank you for breakfast, that there is food in the pantry. Thank you uh, for my job. You know, sometimes I I resent having to prepare another sermon for a Sunday, but thank you that I have a job. Thank you that I'm able to to, to do this this ministry. Lord, thank you uh, for these things in my life. And and, and I think if you do that, you're going to find that your heart expands, it enlarges, it breathes deeper as we spend time in that gratitude. And, and, you know, all the studies show this. John talked about this in his sermon a couple of weeks ago. People who aren't even Christians have, have studied this practice of gratitude. And if you spend time, you know, writing out reasons that you're thankful, praying the reasons you're thankful, versus if you write down all the things that frustrate you in the course of the week, I mean, it's not even close. You're gonna have fewer physical symptoms. You're gonna have less stress. You're gonna, have, you're gonna work out more. You're gonna be more optimistic about the upcoming week, more discipline, all of these positive effects. But we do this as Christians. It's not a positivity technique. We're not thanking goodness. You ever heard that phrase? Thank goodness? I'm like, what is that? Goodness is a concept. How do you thank goodness? You don't thank a concept, you thank a person. 
And and so as Christians, we know we get to thank God, our life-giving, life-saving God. And this is the moment, I think, in the Lord's Prayer where Jesus is inviting us, even as we ask for our needs, to thank God for how he's already met them. So you'll grow in your gratitude. Secondly, you'll grow in generosity. Notice the pronouns. You know, it doesn't say actually give me this day my daily bread, though that's certainly included. What does Jesus teach us? He says, pray, give us this day our daily bread. And and that's a recognition of the fact that when you get God as your father, you also get a bunch of new brothers and sisters. Maybe you like some of them, maybe you don't like all of them, but they're now all your brothers and sisters. You're part of a spiritual family. And here in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is inviting us not just to pray for our needs and our daily bread, but to pray for the daily bread, the necessities of our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's what you might call intercessory prayer. Maybe some of you have done that before. Maybe some of you keep a, a prayer list as people share needs with you. This is where I think Jesus is inviting us to pray for those needs of others. And I've loved seeing that, by the way, in our community groups. Um, as, as group leaders have distributed prayer requests, sometimes I get to see those even in our own uh, community group that, that Scott and Sylvia Bodell lead. Uh, every, every week, right after the next morning, they send out the prayer requests. So here's somebody who's, who's looking for a job. Here's somebody who needs more help with childcare. Here's somebody who's, who's sick with an illness. Here's somebody who has had a, a big expense come up. They need to be able to pay for, whatever that might be. Um, we, we get those prayers, in, and this is an opportunity to pray um, for those who are in our family, that God would provide their daily bread to pray for those around the world in the Christian family, that God would provide for their needs, to pray for those who aren't yet part of the family of God, that he would provide for their needs in his common grace as well. But you gotta be careful. You gotta be very careful if you're gonna start to pray for God to provide the daily bread for other people. You wanna know why? Because he just might intend that you might be his means by which he's going to provide that daily bread. In other words, if you pray for the needs of other people, your heart might start to grow in generosity. You might be praying for somebody who's going through cancer and you think to yourself, you know what, I should should bring them a meal. That's just one thing I can take off of their plate to do that. Or or, or maybe you're praying um, for single moms in Lake Highlands who are trying to break out of generational poverty, taking care of their children, and you think, you know what, um, I could be somebody who would go and provide childcare for their kids while they're in the job skills training classes. Or, or maybe you'll think to yourself, as I'm praying for those who are homeless or who are hungry or who need education, maybe God wants me to give of my money, of my resources to help um, to meet those needs and provide their daily bread. God will use this prayer if you pray for the needs of other people and for their daily bread. He'll grow you in generosity. And then third and finally, he will grow you in your contentment. I don't know about you, but I wish Jesus had taught us to pray, give us this day our yearly bread. I would be a lot more comfortable with that. I would feel much more uh, secure and at peace and resting assured, but he doesn't, does he? He says, I want you to pray for your daily bread. And when he tells us this, he's hearkening back to a story in the Old Testament. Do you remember the story of the manna? If you know the Old Testament where God brings his people out of Egypt, they're on their way to the promised land and in the wilderness, they're hungry. And so what does God do? He provides them with bread from heaven called manna and every morning they can gather it up uh, from the ground as much as they need 
But God tells them, only gather what you need for that day. But, you know, some of the people are like, forget about that. They're like, I'm so glad that there's food here. I don't want to die of hunger. And frankly, I don't want to feel anxious like this anymore. So I'm going to gather up Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. I'm just going to get all of the bread that I need for the week so I don't have to depend upon God again till next week. And so literally what happens with the manna is the very next day, those who gathered more than they needed, it starts to rot. It's got flies and and maggots and worms in it, which is God's way of telling his people that he wants them to have to depend upon him. And so what, what does that mean for us? Well, I think it means God does want us to have to depend upon him daily, that we're not so much praying, God, give me my daily bread for 20 years from now, But for today, what I need to be able to pay my bills and take care of my dependents and and give to those in need. And and it also means we're not so much praying always for our wants or praying for luxuries. You know, he doesn't say, give me this day my daily cappuccino or steak or creme brulee. He says bread, right? It's kind kind of simple. Bread is good, but that's a staple. It's what we need. It's a prayer for contentment. In a way, it's a prayer for simplicity. And and some of us, we we might say, well, does that mean that I can't save for the future? I can't have a retirement plan, a 401k, or I can't have a savings account? Well, no. I mean, the Bible does talk about the wisdom of saving and preparing for the future. Does that mean you can't enjoy any luxuries in your life? Like you can never have a good, nice meal or go on a nice vacation or even own a vacation home. Well, no, not necessarily. I mean, God tells us to enjoy the good gifts that he gives to us. And yet, if you're going to pray this prayer and mean it, give me this day my daily bread, I think here's what it does mean. It means to say, God, I'm going to put it in your hands. How much income, how many resources you want to entrust to me? It means to say, God, I'm confessing that I do tend to think a lot about property and possessions. Help me not to do so. It's a way to say to God, God, I might have a 401k, I might have a big savings, but I don't want to put my security and my trust and my peace in that. I want to find my security in you. And I think it's a way to say, God, if I do get a bonus or I do get a raise or I inherit some additional money, I'm not just going to immediately spend it on myself or put it into savings, but I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask, how do you want me to best steward these resources? I think for me, this this is a bit of a a challenge in the Lord's Prayer. Maybe it is for you. I, I would feel selfish praying for a raise or praying for a promotion or praying to buy a vacation home or whatever that might be. Wouldn't you feel a little bit selfish praying that when he says pray for your daily bread? And I think what we do then is we don't pray about those things. We just work toward them. We just save toward them. We just go and we pursue them, but we don't talk to God about it because we, we, we don't necessarily want to bring him into it. And so I think what happens is we end up as these divided people. We've got a spiritual self and a material self, but God wants us to bring him into every part of our lives and to say, God, how, how do you want me to steward this? He wants to invite us out of, of, a, of a current in our culture that's just all acquisition, accumulation, consumption, and to invite us instead into a life of greater contentment where we trust him to provide for our physical needs even as we trust him to provide for our spiritual needs. And that's the thing about bread 
in Jesus' teaching, isn't it? When Jesus talks about bread, it's never just bread. Sometimes it is, but you remember in John chapter 6 when Jesus feeds 5,000 people and they love it, so they come back to him and they're hungry. They want more food again. And what does he say to them? He says, don't labor for the food that spoils. Labor for the bread that endures to eternal life. He says, the manna that God gave our ancestors in the wilderness, that was great stuff. But he says it was just a sign pointing forward to the bread from heaven that I can give to you. He says, even deeper than your physical hunger is a spiritual hunger. He says, the reason why your heart and your soul are never satisfied, no matter how much bread you have, is because you're not feeding on the bread from heaven. He says, the bread from heaven that endures to eternal life, that will fill you with joy and contentment and purpose. And so the crowds, they say to him, sir, give us this bread. We want some of that bread from heaven. And you know what Jesus says? He says, I am the bread of life. He says, whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I'm the one who can satisfy the deepest longings and desires in your soul. And you see, the thing about bread is if you want to eat bread, it can't just remain a whole loaf. That bread has to be broken. It has to be broken into pieces so that we can eat it. And the same is true with Jesus, the bread from heaven. He says, I am the bread of heaven who came to give my life for you to be broken. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. He was broken. He took the judgment of God for all of our selfishness, all of our ingratitude, all of the ways that we neglect to meet the needs of other people. Jesus took that on himself. He was broken so that we can be made whole. And if you feed on that, if you let your heart digest that and consume that, if you actually believe that God doesn't owe you anything but judgment, and yet Jesus took that judgment for you, if you believe he did that because of how much he loves you and cares for you, that will feed the deepest hunger of your soul so that you are able to say, God, I'm praying for my daily bread. Give me my daily bread. I've got these asks, these wants, these needs, and yet if I have you, Jesus, then I have enough. I have everything that my heart truly needs. If I have the bread of heaven, then everything else is just a gift from my Father. And so let's pray in that way together now. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the bread of heaven. You are the bread of life. We thank you that you were willing to be broken for us. And as we come to the table this morning, we are reminded, Lord Jesus, of the way in which you were willing to be broken for us so that we could find 